of the Cosmic Treadmill. Hey, this, hey. this is uh, Comics Talk number 11, the first of two exclusive Comics Talk episodes uh, for patrons only here this month of April. Is mm-hmm. that month we're in? Yes. April 2019. April 2019, <laughs> I have to make sure. Uh, thanks, everybody, for bearing with us, and me especially, as I move and uh, overcame a deathly illness, but... Uh, people, I think everyone knows by now that I am moved. I probably sound a lot better than I did mm-hmm. uh, last episode of Cosmic Treadmill, and <laughs> it'll get better yet as I move more stuff into this room. Uh, but this time, what we're gonna this will be the first of probably a few episodes talking about a subject that I think people uh, mostly uh, ascribe to you, Chris. Probably, possibly, maybe. Yes. But, well, but between the two of us, I'm not saying. Yes. In the, I'm not saying in the world. <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but between the two of us, they, they would say. But actually, uh, I'm a big fan of this too. Uh, Teen Titans, mm-hmm. uh, going back to the beginnings of it, the the '60s origins, where uh, I am. I'm more of a giddy fan for that kind of nonsense. And then uh, we both love new Teen Titans, and then Chris is more knowledgeable, going. Uh, after that, in fact, a lot of what I know about the Teen Titans after that comes from reading Chris's on InfiniteEarth.com. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Jeff Johns I've read and all that stuff, and then, you know, we'll go on and on. But this time we want to just uh, start off talking about the Teen Titans, and uh, hopefully this will be a positive, happy episode is what was is the, yeah, really the intention be. here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this was originally going to be just one episode talking about the entire run of the Teen Titans the past, you know, what, 50, 55 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just became two media topics. So uh, we decided to cut it off right at the end of uh, just before New Teen Titans is where we're going to end it today. We're going to go straight through the Silver Age into the Bronze Age, and that'll be what we're going to cover because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, we have their first appearance, the first time they teamed up. That was Brave and the Bold, number four, 54, had a June-slash-July 1964 cover date. And in that one, we met the first three members of the team. First one, of course, is Robin, Dick Grayson. His first appearance was Detective Comics number 38 from April 1940 cover. He was the sensational the... find of that year, as I recall, he was, wasn't he? He was the sensational character find of 1940. <laughs> and uh, he was created, of course, by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. And, uh, I mean, really, what can we say about Robin? I mean... Uh, you know, this is the one. This is the, the original yeah. <laughs> sidekick. This is the, you know... The template for all that would follow. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, of course, uh, everyone's favorite and most remembered character. We've got Aqualide Garth, <laughs> whose uh, first appearance was Adventure Comics number 269, February 1960. I'm going to guess in the Aquaman backup or the story in there, but... Uh, I would assume. I would assume so. Probably not in the Green Arrow one. Maybe <laughs> not, not the Dial H for Hero. Probably not, no. <laughs> Uh, created by Robert Bernstein and Ramona Fraden. Uh, and this guy, you know, this guy's always, remember we did that issue 
where he just had to be in the water all the time. He was always like, that was hey, it. guys, what's going on? That was it. And as we get into the Bronze Age, that's like real that's literally all he does because it's, it's sad. he's just he's like in he's like in a glass container that's just full of water all the time that's yeah. it uh now rounding out our original team is kid flash wally west the real wally west mm-hmm. his uh, first appearance flash number 110 december 1959 cover date he was created by john broom and carmine infantino and of course he was a uh, you know he had the same origin as Barry Allen, basically. Uh, he was struck. The chemicals were struck the by same lightning. Costume same costume as well. Uh, he was a like a Flash fanatic. His aunt Iris introduced him to the Flash, and uh, and then he, she also introduced him to her boyfriend uh, Barry Allen. And we had a little bit of a repetitive experimentation. Where <laughs> yep. We were able to conclude that yes, if you get zapped by lightning doused chemicals, uh, you're gonna get super speed. You gotta, so it's of, good of, any, of any stripe too, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> uh, you know the lightning can strike twice apparently. So there it, it was. It can. And uh, we covered this first appearance of the Teen Titans way back in episode 16 of the Cosmic Treadmill. That's October 16th, 2016. And in it, this trio of teens were brought together by some strange happenings out in Hatton Corners, having to do with some missing teens and a very gaudy villain called Mr. Twister. Yeah. And of course the fact that grown-ups are just totally square, man. <laughs> they just don't understand. And indeed, even the sidekicks and heroes were having a sort of generational conflict. Uh, you have Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad accusing their elders of being out of touch. It's uh, you just don't understand, man. You're not a kid, man. It was a lot of that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, there was a lot. Of, although at the end, as I recall, they were carrying signs Grown-ups. that said, "We love them, adults. We love them." <laughs> uh, because they, you know, it all turned out to be Mister Twister. But th- this this issue, you know, coming at in '64. Uh, it really highlights essentially the first time you had a wave of teenager teenage rebellion uh, like sure. this. I think it, I think in American history, really, uh, because of the baby boomers, this is essentially when a large swath of baby boomers became teenagers. They had a lot more agency than previous generations, and so they had the ability to tell their parents. Uh, go to hell! I don't love you anymore, or whatever you know. Yeah. So it, it was—it's very interesting. Like this is a story that I don't think would have made any sense in 1940. Uh, barely no. makes sense in 1964, but you know, <laughs> there's there's that too. Uh, now in the Titans. Also the sec- time, and also in the time there. I mean, this is this is right after the the Marvel Age kicks off. I was thinking that too. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. I don't know if there's any causality, but. Uh, you know, we had the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X Men, uh, Spider Man. Uh, you know, they're all they're all kicking around at this point. Where a lot of teens over at Marvel and a lot of young heroes. Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of uh, a lot of more like street talk. You know, like I I always uh, when I look back at like Silver Age DC, uh, besides them being totally insane, there was like a properness to it. Yeah, you know, where like Stan over at Marvel would there would be some jive. You know, absolutely. and. Uh, I think uh, I think Teen Titans brought a lot of the jive into DC, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Absolutely. Well, that's one of my favorite favorite parts is the uh, <laughs> the lingo. But you know, one thing about it, people talk about Stan's writing uh, and how he wrote for kids, but if you notice, he doesn't really try to affect any slang from the day. He almost makes up his own language. It's just jazzy talk. It's yeah. more of a style. Yeah, it's more of a style of talking. Whereas this is totally, they're trying to say, you know, groovy, whatever, far out mm-hmm. and all this. And it's totally, obviously, pandering because 
you know, no adult can ever pull that off uh, in any generation. So it's uh, it's funny. It you know, I I thought of that too. Whether this was something a reaction to the Marvel age, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me, if it is, it's um. It had to be by the creatives, not by the executives, because as we know, even in 66, when Arnold Drake wrote that letter, they basically told him to go take a flying leap. Pound salt, yeah. Uh, and at this point, DC was still outselling Marvel by a wide margin, so they had oh, no sure. reason to uh, try to catch up. But maybe maybe Bob Haney was more in touch with this, and he, he wanted to make an effort to bring some kids and new teenagers into the fold. Now, uh, in the Titans' second appearance, they received their newest member. That's in Brave and the Bold number 60, June-July 1965, cover date. It was Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, her first appearance right here, sort of, but yes, <laughs> but no. Uh, created by Bob Haney and Bruno Primiani. In this sort adventure, of. sorry? Sort of. Sort of, that's true. Very <laughs> sort of. Uh, in this adventure, the teens of Midville have been given control of the government for a day. That sort of thing happens in early Titans adventures. This, I think yeah. this was the worry that the kids were going to take over or something. <laughs> uh, also, rock groups, teenage cavemen, school dropouts, uh, dealing with reform students, being friends with people different than you. All important things to teenagers, especially teenage cavemen that were covered yeah. in these uh, early comics. Uh, Wonder Girl is, of course, a character created by accident, as Wonder Girl, as originally introduced in Wonder Woman 123, July 1961, cover date, was intended uh, to be a teenage version of Wonder Woman, and not an entirely different character. Uh, This is something they did all throughout the 50s, even, is stories of Wonder Woman when she was a baby, stories of Wonder Woman when she was a teenager, and sometimes, was it Frayden drawing that at the time? No, it was uh, Andrew. Andrew, Ross Andrew. It was a, there was a picture of all the different ages of Wonder Girl, Wonder, Wonder Women, Wonder Babies, Wonder Girls, like jet skiing. Yeah. He, like he, in formation. There were a few covers. That, that, that's a popular one. There were a few covers where he had all the characters on the cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob Haney must have saw that and thought they were different characters. <laughs> so so uh, the, the, this, the pressure to preface his name with Zany is pretty intense, by the way, whenever we say Bob Haney. But when Chris and I talk, I think we do always say Zany, Bob Haney or Zany. I think Haney. we have to. It's part of the rule. But yeah. we're, we're going to try to we're gonna try to control ourselves as much as possible <laughs> here. Uh, so, yeah, he he saw a teenage Wonder Woman and said, that's good enough for me, and made a <laughs> Wonder Girl out of her. Uh, and oddly enough, it wasn't explained how Donna came to join the team until a dozen years later. Uh, Teen Titans number 53, February 1978, which has been covered in great detail at chrisinfiniteearths.com. And then let's not forget who is Donna Troy and mm-hmm. then the many other iterations of that that came after that, right? Oh, boy. Uh, it's, 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 that could be a whole series into itself. Yeah. It's, the, it's the kind of thing that DC has been keep having to explain forever. They, they and the more they explain it, the more muddled it, it gets. It's more complicated, yeah. They just add another 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 condiment to the Dagwood sandwich and it's <laughs> it's awful. Uh, now, after a few more appearances in Brave and the Bold and then they also had a shot in Showcase Presents, right. the Teen Titans were given their own bi-monthly title. 
Naturally, it was Teen Titans number one, February 1966 cover date. Now, the first issue, you wouldn't even know it was the first issue by looking at the cover because there is no number one on it. Wow. <laughs> Which, I don't think that would happen today. No. I don't no. think, uh, don't think that'd be left off. It would say off. first collect, it would say first issue special or something, all, all, all on the top, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, on all 17 of its variant covers. Um, and the only way you would know that this was the first issue is by looking in the Indicia. So. Wow. Interesting. Now this adventure—it's a, it's a great cover, though. It's actually—it's actually—I consider—I don't know if I'd put it up among the top greatest, but it's really just a stark cover, kind of like the mm-hmm. uh, and that and that new logo really does stick out to you. I'm gonna—we'll put it, it on—we'll uh, put it as part of the upload. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Now uh, this this adventure features the Titans helping out the Peace Corps, mm. and it also features a scene with a man hanging out on Paradise Island. <laughs> Because, you know, Bob Haney doesn't care about continuity. He care less. That's fine. <laughs> now, continuing with Haney here, the Titans launch happened to coincide with the, the Titans series launch, happened to coincide with the launch of the Bill Dozier Batman television series, which in subsequent years, folks have attributed to the fact that these early years of Titan stories are, you know, Pretty campy. Yeah. Uh, Bob Haney is steadfast that he wasn't influenced by the television antics of Adam West and Burt Ward, and in fact, he didn't even pay attention to the show. Yeah. But you know, he he also didn't pay attention to the comics, so he might not be lying. I actually believe him on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> partly yeah. because he was already campy before, not just in Teen Titans either. I mean, pretty much oh, everything yeah. he ever wrote. It's incredibly oh, campy and ridiculous. Yeah. This is the guy that invented Metamorpho, let's remember. So uh, he he didn't need Bill Dozier's help to. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, Maybe Bill Dozier was influenced by Bob Haney. But you know, we know from doing uh, a little bio on him that he was actually sort of a pompous. A uh, he had a couple of graduate degrees, right? He was. A, oh yeah. He 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 didn't get into comics until he was in the army. So <laughs> I think he saw them as a. And that's partly, I think, owing to the way he wrote them. He just saw them as a goof. You know what I yep. mean? Uh, not important, not going to stand the test of time. So just crank it. You know, whether he saw it as a paycheck or not, because as a matter of fact, we know that he also stayed with comics an inordinately a long amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's hard to know. I mean, obviously, the man has passed on, so we can't ask him. But yes. uh, I do think that he had his own internal campiness. He didn't need any help. We should get. Uh, we should try to get his nephew, Chevy Chase, on the show. Oh! Oh, yeah, he, he, he always comes off as a great guy, too, I'll tell you. That's somebody I really want to get on the show. Yeah, really. His nephew-in-law. Yes, his step-nephew or something. Uh, yeah. Something like this. Uh, now, the T.T. Swinging Christmas Carol that we covered during our 2017 Christmas special. Uh, this came out... I don't remember the date. I didn't put the date here, but I think that that's like uh, one of the stories that when you think about Silver Age Titans, a lot of people come back to this one. Yeah. Um, that's generally the one that people point to as indicative of everything everything that happened in Silver Age Teen Titans. And uh, I think it was issue number 13 uh, of the series. And because there was a pretty big change when you get into the 20s, and uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit, though. But these early Titans, the campiness of them, the T.T. swinging Christmas Carol is, is pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> and we're actually going to be discussing uh, another issue of uh, Teen Titans on the Cosmic Treadmill this very week. This so, week, or, if yeah. you, or you might have already heard it, or you might be about to hear it. Yeah, so, uh, this all sort of, we're, we're 
making a, a two for here. So, yes. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys can can hear us read off some of this fabulous dialogue. Uh, speaking of which, uh, here's a quote here by from the Mad Mod from T Titans number seven, and this also tells you like. Here's here's Bob Haney not only trying to write hip but trying to write a British accent. British hip. Uh, yeah. It says super duckies now ears some gear and ginchy little models that will please the bird. I'll even do it British. Super duckies now ears some gear and ginchy little models that will please the birds. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sorry, Bob. And, and the Mad Mod just as a character. I mean, he's got like the uh, like the mop top haircut. He's yeah. got like the little stylish glasses. He's wearing crazy suits. His whole gimmick is that he's an evil fashion designer. Basically, that, that's what it is, you know. Uh, he's an evil clothier. Yeah. But, but he looks kind of like you know the Beatles met Elton John met uh, yeah. everybody. You know <laughs> like what I mean? Austin Powers. Yeah. It's obviously like an adult <laughs> looking at popular culture and being like, yeah, I guess this all goes in there. <laughs> Let's you know just I mean? like, steal all of this. Yeah. Just, you know, that, that would be like, I mean, Chris and I have actually had discussions. Sometimes I'll send Chris a, uh, a quote from, from something that happened in, in <laughs> entertainment, and it's like, what language? <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what, what would you do today if someone told you, Chris, I want you to make a character based on popular things that teenagers like today? I'd be like... Oh, could you imagine? Yeah, because you sent me that not too long ago. You sent me that, like... Somebody tweeted something about like a like a, a, a celebrity argument. There was some altercation, and, and we couldn't yeah, figure out who. We were, didn't know if it was English. We were like, we were like, which are the people, which are the places, and which are the things. That's, <laughs> that was what we couldn't figure out. Like, I wasn't sure if, if if a if a artist named Martini threw a Cardi B at somebody. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea what happened there. Uh, but yeah, it, it would be impossible for us, partly because we we don't really hang out with too many uh, no. children. At least uh, we try not to. But uh, it's it's funny. It's it's obviously like you know an attempt to try to talk to the kids, and it's pretty misguided stuff. We uh, that Raven miniseries where Marv Wolfman was trying to be with it. Like yes. he was like he's like well why don't you two just swipe up and it's like what the hell what what does that even mean I mean you you, you do see that a lot these days they'll they'll throw a they'll throw a uh, and I just can't I can't picture like you know seventy something year old Marv Wolfman looking at like a dating website or knowing anything about dating websites and, uh, it's just so crazy if he did he would know that you swipe left or right buddy come on get with the program <laughs> but you're you're a hundred percent right and you know it it often to me. And as a you know forty plus year old man, it seems like pandering whenever they slip in these social media things, because I, I don't think that they're thinking of them on the terms of people our age. Yeah, these kids are on another level. They're they're not worried about your Facebook, buddy. But you know what I mean. But with the so things they're using, news, right? yeah. you, you wouldn't even understand what what's going on. It's just it's a word without any vowels in it. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, you know what I mean. It's it's a whole different. It's people showing their 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 body parts or whatever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's. It, I, I guess think... I guess things are still the same in many ways. I think about like when Chris Claremont came back to the X-Men and uh, he, he had some younger characters on it that he didn't create and he would have every, uh, he would, he would use a lot of likes and so's. Mm. He'd be like, I'm like so tired of this or I'm so spent. Everything was so. O's on the end of it and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was so that. bad. So whatever. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's really not good. I mean, one thing, this is something my dad always points out to me is that. 
uh, you know, Stan Lee was 40 when he made, or something like that, when he when he started in 62. He started the Marvel Age. The yeah. Marvel Age. Uh, these guys are like probably a lot of them 10, maybe 20 years older than him even. You know, he was he was the young upstart in the Marvel bull, in the, you know, timely bullpen. Oh, yeah, because DC was all stodgy old dudes, yeah. Uh, and those guys were already in their 30s. So, uh, yeah, the, these people are coming a lot older. Not that I think that Stan Lee had his ear to the streets, but he was at least a little bit closer to uh, the target audience, and these guys are, you know, they already hate their kids. Anyway, let's... Uh, let's uh... <laughs> um, it's worth noting, by the way, that even with the crazy things that Bob Haney writes, he swore and assured people that uh, people actually did speak like that in the 60s, mm-hmm. which a cursory glance would show that that's not really true. Uh, also worth noting, Bob Haney lived in Woodstock, New York, during this rather psychedelic... Uh, Peaceful time. Uh, although Maybe I, people did say gear and Ginchy all the time. I don't know. People, uh, the thing is, people would say gear. I don't know about <laughs> Ginchy. I have no idea how that came from. People would say groovy, but it would be, you know, there's a way that teenagers talk that adults cannot mimic, and it's it's no. obvious when they're using it. Uh, anyway, this brought in a new member, uh, Speedy, another kid flash? No. It's uh, Roy Harper. His first appearance was in More Fun Comics, 73, November 1941. Uh, this has been retconned to being the Earth 2 Speedy. It's basically the same dude. It's the same guy, though. I mean, I guess since he was in the original JSA era, they flip it around. But anyway, it's the same fella. Uh, created by Mort Weisinger, and I guess the Earth 2 Speedy never did the dope. Is that the idea? Maybe not. Yeah, that's what. That's the difference. Uh, created by Mort Weisinger and George Papp, Speedy would be a part-timer throughout the Silver Age, uh, though he'd be revealed as being a charter member of the team in Team Titans number 53, which is weird. Sort of like the Titans version of Captain America, who was considered a founding member of the Avengers, despite not showing up until Avengers number four. So that's uh, close enough. Close enough. You close know. enough. He was yeah. there the, in the early days, so that's uh, that's good enough <laughs> for us. And uh, yeah, he's always it's, he's he's like that in New Teen Titans too, and like go he, every era, he's always sort of the extra member. You know like what I mean? Auxiliary, yeah. yeah he's, the auxiliary he's always, fella. He's never he's only been like a proper member of the team sparingly and and in those situations he's he's always like the leader. It's like, oh well you're oh, our yeah. government liaison, so you're in charge. So well, I, you know, I was I'm just gonna ask you, maybe maybe you know better hmm. than me. Is he a little bit older than Robin? Or supposed to be? You know, it depends on when, because, uh, like, I, you have him, like, in college, and he's got his band Great Frog, while Robin isn't really talking about college yet. Yeah. Because they made, like, a deal about Robin going to college around the time of the Titans, but this, but Roy was a little bit before that, so it's very possible that he was a bit older, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I seem to recall that it's almost like Robin went to college, and then he stopped going to college for a while. Yeah, he kind of, kind of de him a little bit. I just always got that impression in the 80s during, uh... You know the run we're not going to talk about today. That he was just like a year or two older. He was a little more experienced in a lot of different ways. But maybe yes. I think it's it's because, like you say, he would take on that leader role every time he showed up, and uh, yeah. he 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 was always dispensing the hard advice of life. You know, so yes, because he 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 uh, he he was a parent very early. So yes, that's right. There, that'll age <laughs> that, you. That'll, that'll age you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a couple more members of this early team, or, or associates, or compatriots, are Hawk and Dove. This is Hank and Don Hall. 
They first appeared in showcase number 75, that's June 1968 cover date, created by Steve Ditko and Steve Skeets, or Skates, one or the other. <laughs> now, they would team with the Titans a couple times during these Silver Age issues, uh, notably issues 25 and 29. They'd officially join as members of Titans West, which we'll get to. Uh, this is towards the, the end of the first volume. They join up tight with Titans West in issue number 50. Uh, Don uh, Dove would die during Crisis on Infinite Earths, and uh, if we're not mistaken, he might actually still be dead now. I think he is. I think it's a different. It's a different people. I think Hawk and Dove are different uh, pair yeah. of people now. So. Yeah, but I mean, they you know, they bring everybody back. But I remember uh, a particularly. Well, he did come back in Blackest Night for that. Well, he refused to come back. That's right. That's right. He refused to come back because he was at peace. Because the ring came for him, which is a really cool scene. But they've kind of done that scene to death now. But the first time they did it, it was great. They have the black ring show up and uh it's like don don hall rise and it's like body at peace or soul at peace and then it just leaves them there yeah i'm good here buddy you know (laughs) uh yeah as a matter of fact i think they've changed who talking dove are a couple of times and and like almost all steve ditko created characters dc never really gets a grasp on how to handle them not that i say i do understand Because they're, they're, oh God, it's, because it's funny, you could tell how different the culture was back then, because you have Hawk and Dove, one's a, a pompous, kind of like, warmongery type of guy, the mm-hmm. other one is a, uh, you know, a, a written initially as like a mealy-mouthed peacenik, and uh, back in the day, you'd see that they were kind of writing Hawk, the, the hawkish one, yeah. to be the one you root for, where nowadays it's kind of like, you look at Hawk and you're like, what a jerk. Now my, it, it's weird how it changes. My understanding, though, though, is that Ditko intended them to be more as equal positions. Yes. Uh, but but his idea was that Hawk would be the one to fight and Dove would never fight, which yes, is a problem a in superhero comic books. A little bit. <laughs> so, so, the, so they've always had to have a cause where Dove has to reluctantly throw a punch or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think that uh, like all of his stuff, Ditko meant this to be more of an epistemological kind of discussion piece yeah. rather than an actual story. Yeah, it really uh, doesn't stand the test of like being a recurring situation. It's t- exactly, and and you're right in that uh, you know what's a hawk and what's a dove has changed yep. over the years and our attitudes towards them. So it's uh, it's basically a minefield if you if you don't want to deal with it. True. Uh, so, uh, in Teen Titans number 25, February 1970, a peace demonstrator was assassinated. Just uh, probably in response to the de- assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. on April 4th, 1968, although it probably had something to do with Robert Kennedy. Probably. Maybe Malcolm he, they, X. Those were the two names that kind of, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, that definitely probably sparked this uh, writing. Uh, the Titans failed to save this guy, Dr. Arthur Swenson, and so vowed never to use their superpowers again. Which doesn't does that really make sense? Like, <laughs> right? Like, well, well, they didn't work this time, therefore let's never use them. Uh, even though Robin and Speedy don't even have any superpowers, but I guess yeah. uh, Robin would never jump again was the idea. And and yeah, and then Speedy would never pick up a bow. Never pick up a bow. All the times again. he picks up a bow. Yeah, right yeah. away. Uh, but the rest of the team keeps using their powers anyway. It doesn't really matter. It's like I'll never fly again. Why are you flying, Donna? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't count that as a power. That's just you know, <laughs> that's like my car. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, th- this is a this is a, a fun issue in that it's socially relevant, but yep. it again misses the mark pretty much on all aspects. <laughs> and now by Most. this time, Marvel is outselling DC. So sure, being being relevant, I think, has now become 
a reaction thing that they want to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we know that I think uh, oh no, Weisinger would retire in a couple of years, but the old guard is starting to filter out. And yeah. uh, new guys Probably Dick, pay less attention. Yeah. Dick Giordano came in. Remember, he came in from Charlton. They were at 68, yep. 69. 68. So this yep. is all part of that, I think. Uh, and then this, the team joins up with Mr. Jupiter. That's Lauren yeah. Jupiter, a strange millionaire who ran a training camp for young people. Yeah, to turn them into uh, a better adult. It's, and to become a better adult, you need to like run through like American Gladiator style uh, obstacle courses. They, they they have those camps now. They, they you said right the team <laughs> the scared straight things or whatever that is. There you go. You know they make the team go dig a ditch and live in a hole for ten days, and uh, if they if they don't die, they'll come out better people. They'll be better adults. Yes. So uh, yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> It's it's really hilarious if you think about it. Like... Oh, and it's so weird. I mean, like they just like move in with this this old this old millionaire who has like a, a, a dancing girl as his sidekick. It's very very strange. But uh, in this one where they where they fail to save this fellow's life here, uh, the Justice League actually comes and yells at them for it. Wow. They really like bury them. It's like you guys failed. This is all your fault, and they they just take it. They take it to heart because I mean it's Superman and Batman saying it. Sure. So they, uh, so they, yeah, they they throw their costumes down. There's a, uh, it's a Teen Titans number twenty six. It's all of them just dropping their costumes, but not in like the George Perez abandoning the costumes kind of trope that's become a thing now, yeah. where those covers where they're all walking away. But uh, isn't yeah, it a cover promise. of empty costumes basically, or am I imagining? No, no, this is a, that's a different one. Okay. This is them just. This is like it has a like Wonder Girl is the one closest to the reader, and she's got like her back turned, but her face is looking at us, and she drops the costume. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, well, uh, this, it's really too bad. Okay, though, no, you got to think about yourself. Okay, as a teenager. Do you want to read something like this? Do you want to read about teenagers getting yelled at by the Justice League? You know, right. And and moving in with a guy that's going to set them straight? Like, this is totally <laughs> not what teens want at Voluntarily. all. Voluntarily. This is this is wish fulfillment <laughs> by uh, a bunch of parental types, I think, of just like, mm-hmm. if those kids would just straighten up and listen to me, you know what I mean? They'd be a lot better off. But, uh, oh. yeah, this, this is part of the DC's ongoing problem i'd say it is and it's worth noting that the first issue of like what we consider the relevant era of the denny o'neill neil mm-hmm. adams uh, green lantern that's cover dated april 1970 this yeah. teen titans issue is february 1970 so titans went relevant before Gene- green lantern did that's right but they didn't they didn't make a thing out of it that's a thing. no they sure didn't <laughs> <laughs> sure didn't <laughs> Now, we mentioned that dancing girl. That's Lilith, Lilith Clay. Mm. Uh, She first appeared in Teen Titans number 25, again, February 1970, cover date. Created by Bob Haney and Nick Cody. And uh, Lilith was an orphan child who had powers of precognition. She wound up wrapped up in Mr. Jupiter's weird training program and uh, was part of the Titans while they were working with Mr. Jupiter. Uh, When that whole thing was disbanded, she would move to California and get engaged to the next fellow we're going to discuss. Yeah, that's Narc, John Narc, G-N-A-R-R-K, if you're spelling at home. His first appearance was Teen Titans number 32, April 1971, cover date, created by Bob Haney and George Tuska. This is a teenage caveboy who uh, reached here through some botched time travel. He's engaged to Lilith. The pair would return to the team as part of Titans West toward the end of the run. He was hinted to have suffered a terrible fate, but we're never clued into exactly what that was. And then he actually did show up in a recent issue of Heroes in Crisis, where he was so poorly written that I hope they never use the character ever again. 
that might have been the terrible fate. Oh, that that definitely was to be written fate. by Tom King. Right? He actually he actually does show up again in Titans over the years. Uh, he was in Titans Hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah, but because uh, what was it? It was during the wedding of uh, Donna and Terry, where uh, Lilith is talking to. She's reconnecting with the Titans, mm. and uh, she mentions that uh, that what's his face that Nark had suffered a terrible fate, and nobody asks. Nobody thinks to ask. Well, what kind of terrible fate really is he know. dead? And nobody. I mean, maybe he stubbed his toe. Maybe he got a bad haircut. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> we, or maybe he was just wiped off the planet. We don't know. It, it was terrible. Whatever that fate was, it's all. It know. was. It was indeed. And uh, another character who uh, came around this time was Malcolm Duncan, otherwise known as Mal, the Hornblower, the Guardian, Harold, and most most currently as Vox. Uh, now, he first appeared in Teen Titans number 26. This was March, April 1970 cover date, created by Robert Kaniger and Nick Cardi. Now, he's a uh, resident of the mean streets of Hell's Corner, which uh, I'm guessing is probably a reference to a, a, a real place on planet Earth. Um, he meets with the Titans early, very early in their Mr. Jupiter tenure, and he joins up. Uh, he uh, like He's fighting like some street gang and... Uh, the Titans are on his side, but he's not sure they're on his side. And then they introduce him to Mr. Jupiter, and before you know it, he's running through the obstacle courses. And there's an amateur boxing contest in there. It's it's a very meaty issue. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the end of this very very meaty issue, he winds up hijacking an experimental rocket. So hey, he shoots off into space. And uh, the Titans, like, they watch the rocket go, and it's like, man, I wonder if we'll ever see him again. And, <laughs> I'm, and I'm thinking like. I'm like, Robin, don't you have Superman's phone number? <laughs> right? You can yeah. be like, hey, uh, there's a rocket. Can, would you mind? What and, can I, a superhero, do about this? You know, like, <laughs> you call Superman two seconds later. They're Everybody, talking to Mal Duncan again. You know, even if you have to go through Batman, you, you can reach him. Right. You can reach him. <laughs> and, <laughs> the team disbands, of course, again. Of course. Uh, when, when Mal returns, the Titans put him in charge of security for <laughs> all their equipment. He did a great job stealing that rocket. You stealing the rocket. So, hey, can you watch my shoes? <laughs> and the team disbands again. You know, they, the team disbands a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are teenagers he, after all, though. They are, indeed. Uh, as a hero, Mal changed identities a few times. Um, after an adventure with the Newsboy Legion and Jimmy Olsen, he would take up the Guardian's armor and the Guardian's name. Uh, he gets like an exoskeleton and the Guardian's armor, and it's established here that the original Guardian was Speedy's uncle, hmm. which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. You know. Now then, he would be given a magical horn by an angel purporting to be the actual biblical Gabriel, and he'd become the horn blower. Hmm. And uh, most importantly, he would also join Speedy's band, Great Frog. Well, yeah, he's got horn. the sax, yeah, hello. <laughs> he's got the horn, yeah. Uh, he would be romantically linked with uh, someone we're going to talk about pretty shortly. Yeah, but this uh, Mr. Jupiter is clearly supposed to be their attempt at a Professor X, but a very bad one. Cause he, oh, it's so bad. It always comes, like, Professor X, it always comes off as he's... Like, paternal? He, he's, the thing is, he has love for his students, but he yeah. also is, you know, they're in school. You know, so they're working hard. He's he's getting them. You you really get the impression that he is a caring a but strict teacher. Uh, Mr. Jupiter just seems kind of like a sleazy pimp. 
You know what I mean? Kinda like you does. really, and he keeps collecting teenagers. Like that's not that's not cool. Over and over again, we're oh. gonna be we're gonna be discussing him a few more times in this series. Yeah, he. I mean, he, he, creep, he creeps me out just to think about him. And then when you when and you he's really got Lilith dancing in front of him and wearing go go. <laughs> oh, oh man, this weird. Is, this is pretty pretty uh, twisted stuff. But there it is. But. Uh, then we go into the Bronze Age, which, uh, as for people that don't know, we roughly put that from about 70 to 80-something or other, 85, you want to say? Like 71 to 84-ish. Sure, yeah. you know, it's it's malleable, but that's roughly, you know, sure. I mean, yeah. roughly the age. Uh, the initial run of Teen Titans would be canceled after issue 43, that uh, January-February 1973 cover date, but was brought back as part of the DC explosion nearly four years later with issue 44, November 1976 cover date, and I talked a little bit about the explosion in my yes. recent episode of Reggie's Comic Stories. So, um, although I probably could have done more to talk about really with the causes of it, but um, that's just such a meaty topic. It's a that huge we'll one. Probably you know, be going back to several times. I yeah. told them. I told. Uh, I said in my episode that you, we did that. That was our first or second one ever, right? The, that was our first episode ever, ever yes. on on the Weird Science podcast, and then we were trying to keep things short. Yeah, we tried and, keeping it under 15 minutes. And which, we'll probably go yeah. back to it to do an expanded episode. But if we do, we're definitely going to use that tomorrow's book heavily as a resource. But anyway. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, they were brought back. The team would take up residence in a discotheque called Gabriel's Horn. And membership would become even a little more confusing. <laughs> and then they even extended to a second team, Titans West, which actually is way before West Coast Avengers, right? This is uh, oh yeah, so at least know, a they, decade before, yeah. I, I wonder if there was a need to increase circulation on the West Coast too, possibly. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if that had something to do with it. Uh, the Titans baddie, Mister Esper, who wanted to separate Long Island from the United States in order to make it his own nation, caused calamities on both coasts, and this necessitated a second Titans team. Uh, too bad that no, no Justice League was around, right? right? Uh, yeah. You know, they, they, they were like, ah, that's a Titans problem. <laughs> you yeah, know, Mr. Like, Espa, he's, he's not on all level. You know, it's and, like, and, oh, and, you want to separate an island from the coast of America? Whatever, you know. That's... And there's always legislation, or and there's always something in the ballots to make Long Island its own thing, right? Yeah, oh, all the time. I, I lived there for like 10 years, and every it's like, it's like every two years, it's like, well, we want to be our own state. No, we want to be our own county. It's like, the, what is this? They're doing, they're doing it right now, actually. They want to turn, they want to split <laughs> New York into three different uh there's a bill that got presented but anyway Long Island oh wow they, they want to call Long Island uh and parts of Westchester Montauk County but anyway oh, Lord. that's the idea <laughs> that's what they're talking about now Chris uh anyway alongside alongside those we've already mentioned we got Hawk Dove Lilith Nark there are some even newer members for the West Coast team although this one isn't new it's Beast Boy Gar Logan First appeared in the Doom Patrol number 99, uh, November 1965, cover date, created by Arnold Drake and Bob Brown. This is the green kid who mm -hmm. can take on any form of any animal, uh, or take on the form of any animal. Uh, he got that when his parents, who were African... He was African, bit by a green monkey, right? He was bit, well, he was bit by a monkey, and the serum that cured him was bought from a green monkey, I believe. Okay. okay. Uh, whatever it was, that's what turned him green for good. Then his parents died, then he was adopted by the uh, Elastigirl and Mento from the Doom Patrol, mm -hmm. and, that's, and then he came here. And actually, this is what, to me, has always connected Teen Titans and Doom Patrol. This is the bridge. Uh, yes. Right here is hundred percent is Beast Boy, and he would you know as we know continue into the new Teen Titans, but uh, yeah, so he he joined up. Then we got Golden Eagle. Uh, There's Charlie Parker, not 
the jazz legend Charlie <laughs> Parker. This one is C H A R L E Y. His first appearance was Justice League of America number 116, March 1975, cover date, created by Carrie Bates and Dick Dillon. He's a Hawkman superfan who, after helping the Justice League during an adventure, was gifted with a pair of Hawkman esque wings and an anti gravity belt, which is really like, you know. When you're a kid and you help out the cops, you might get like a deputy badge, right? Yeah. A junior deputy badge. They don't give they don't give you a gun. They don't give you the gun. You know, like you don't get the you know, they don't send you right to the, right to the to jail the, cells gun. You made sergeant, you know, like here Yeah, exactly. Yeah, start saluting you. Here's the interrogation room. Now to interrogate this guy. So yeah, that's a little a little irresponsible, but for some reason the teens in comics they get an awful lot of privileges that others don't get. It's true, and uh, it, Golden Eagle is kind of a—he uh, uh, he doesn't show up very often. Um, we're, we're probably going to talk about him again when we get to the Titans Hunt era uh, in in a, the next couple times out. Yeah. But uh, another one we got Batgirl and Batgirl slash Flamebird, otherwise known as Betty Kane. It's Bat Hyphen Girl. Bat Hyphen Girl, yes. indeed. First appearance, Batman number 139, April 1961, cover date, uh, created by Bill Finger and Sheldon Maldorf. And again, this is not Barbara Gordon. This is Bat Hyphen Girl. She's the niece of Kathy Kane, who is the original Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are reports as to why they introduced a Batgirl and a Batwoman into the Bat family that have to do with some things that uh, Dr. Wortham had mentioned. Yeah, and, uh, some, I think that had something to do with it, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, this uh, this uh, Batgirl would only appear eight times from 1961 to her first Titans exp- uh, appearance in 1977. Yep. So 16 years, eight appearances. And hell, she'd only appear four times during this era, too. Uh, she'd go back on the shelf until Donna and Terry's wedding, way up ahead in 1985. Uh, she does change her name to Flamebird, which makes uh, her the first Bat family member turned Teen Titan to take her identity from a Kandorian superhero. Mm. And uh, we'll discuss the second one next time. Yeah, but some of you might be surprised by who that is, but some of you will not be at all because you know no. this information already. But uh, or some Blank of it. and Flamebird. You, you hear that a lot. You know, this Bat-Girl and Bat-Woman, even Bat-Woman only showed up uh, maybe a handful Sparingly. more times. Yeah. Very seldomly. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's funny. They, they have that awesome, crazy uh, Hawkman-style Eyepiece, you know what I mean? I love, I yeah, like Hawkeye's mask. Hawkeye's. Kind of. I thought it would be yeah. Hawkeye. That's what I meant. Uh, you know, but uh, it's it's interesting that they, they dragged her out and then didn't really even use her. Like, you know what I mean? No. Like, <laughs> here would be a chance to resurrect the character. You still barely see her. Well, Bob Rosakis had planned when because Bob Rosakis was the guy who brought the Teen Titans back in the Bronze yes. Age, of course, and uh, he was planning, at least allegedly, uh, from one of the Tomorrow's com- Titans companions, uh, an interview in there. He said he wanted to do like a story arc on the East Coast and then a story arc on the West Coast. So oh. he was gonna he was gonna bobble back and forth, but you know, best laid plans and all that. It didn't quite work out that way. Yeah. Uh, the explosion did lead to an implosion, so that <laughs> it did truncated things. <laughs> Uh, now, the East Coast team would have it, would grow its own roster as well, adding uh, some brand new characters. Bumblebee, Karen Beecher. Her first appearance was Teen Titans number 45, December 1976, covered eight, created by Bob Rizakis, Irv Novik, Irv Novik, and Jose Delbo. And this was to make Mal Duncan and her boyfriend look good to the Titans 
Karen disguised herself as a villain called Bumblebee who attacked the team and she'd eventually come clean and the Titans offered her membership because she did such a good job. You did such a good job. You know, you, if you rob us, we make you the security chief. If you kick our butts, <laughs> we will make pick you part of the team. Uh, after the t- Titans dissolved yet again, she and Mal married and Karen began working with Star Labs. Uh, and he also created, uh, Bob Rizak has created Joker's daughter, uh, Dula Dent, which we didn't know that for a while. That no. was actually Dent's uh, daughter. Well, because she, she claimed to be the daughter of, like, every Bat-villain. She right. was Catwoman's daughter. She right. was uh, uh, she was Two-Face's daughter. It, was, it got pretty ridiculous. She, she was, it was definitely, who you know, who is she? But uh, she was actually, like, people, I feel like this character got so maligned. She was actually so cool, like, right up until... The early '80s. I really like this. This uh, the idea of this uh, Harlequin she became. This well, yeah, because they they threw like the the funny haha cap on her. Like she showed up at uh, again Terry and Donna's wedding. I mean that was like a big congregation for everyone who was a Titan. She yeah. shows up, and she's like in her mid 40s. She's like 200 pounds, and like Dick Grayson looks at her and he's like, "You're not young enough to be uh, whoever's daughter." And she's like, "Yeah, you finally figure that out." Durr. You know, <laughs> yeah, they kind of put the, the lampshade on that. Uh, her first appearance, by the way, was Batman Family number six, August 1976. You know, Chris, they kind of, I wish they would bring back a book like Batman Family and Superman Family that was even, mm-hmm. you know, reprints and then a new sure. story. You know what I mean? Like, why, why can't we do that anymore? And then charge, since it's, it's mostly reprints. Charge two bucks for it. I think that could yeah, be just huge. make it real. Yeah, but, and, and like we have like these days, we have a new a new Jimmy Olsen and a new Lois Lane comic coming out. I, I don't see why they couldn't have thrown them together in a, in a Superman family. You know, that'd be great. Oh yeah, that'd be yeah. Great. Uh, Superman family, and you could do some reprints of Superman stories. You know, with mm-hmm. that, and then you have like a a forty eight page or whatever book, and you sell it for a buck fifty two dollars. Although mm-hmm. no, they'd still try to squeeze four dollars out of six, seven, eight bucks. Yeah, yeah. six, seven, eight. What I'm <laughs> talking about. Anyway, now uh, Teen Titans is volume one still. It would only squeeze out a few more issues before limping to its cancellation. That was uh, issue uh, fifty-three. Uh, so what the explosion giveth, the implosion taketh away. Yeah. Now, the last thing we're going to discuss for today, it's still tangentially Silver Age. This is going to be the Teen Titans Lost Annual number one. Right. Now, this was originally planned as an Elseworlds prestige format graphic novel called Teen Titans Swingin' Elseworlds Special. It was set to come out in 2003. It did come out in 2003. Uh, This was actually written by Bob Haney after the year 2000. Yeah. Which... I, I, I kept having to double check that because it just, uh, and it's funny when you look this book up, the script is usually attributed to either Bob Haney or for some reason, Chuck Dixon. Hmm. Because I covered this on the blog a couple of years ago and it kept coming up as Dixon. I'm like, this can't be because it's credited in the book as Haney. Yeah. Um, now, the project would be shelved and eventually released in 2008. So it was supposed to come out in 2003, shelved for a half half decade, came out in 2008. And unfortunately, in the interim, Bob Haney would pass away. He died in 2004. Right. Now, the story shipped as the Lost Annual with uh, no Elseworld brand- branding. So, which we assume this means that this story actually happens. Sure. and. Uh, well, after reading it, we sure hope it did. It happened on Earth B, right? You know, everything <laughs> Haney did is canon in my mind. It's true. Now, in this story, John F. Kennedy, the sitting president at the time, was kidnapped by aliens and replaced with a double. 
Now, he's taken to facilitate peace talks between two warring alien factions like almost everybody in comics did back in the Silver Age. And uh, while he's gone... Well, it's late November 1963, so something happens. uh, Something important happened to him specifically at that time. To him specifically. Right around Thanksgiving, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 11 2263, yeah. But uh, he decides when he returns to stay out in space fighting for peace. And we are sure that he's still doing that to this very day. Oh, there's no question. He's out, <laughs> out on that farm with all the other presidents that have disappeared yep. over the years, uh, have, loving life, having a good time. Uh, yeah, this is I, I, this one I never read, but I know about it because reading, you know, learning about yep. Bob Haney. But uh, what, a, what a weirdo thing. Uh, he, he did it a is. couple of things for DC in the late 90s, too, that uh, they don't come to mind. But hmm. pretty much when... When crisis happened, even before that, uh, his work dried up, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he vanished from the scene. And really, uh, I mean, you know, it's stuff that tickles me endlessly. I love Bob Haney's stuff. I love his writing, but it's because it's so poor, and I would never think that it would be a good business decision to to do comics <laughs> like that. Uh, not in today's climate, at least, you know. But I can't get enough of it, Chris. I love it. I love the uh, swinging. Mm-hmm. You know, hip, ginchy, teen type gear drive. Yeah, I have a great time <laughs> with them. How how are, how are you on that collection of the, of, uh, the first volume? I I need uh, twelve issues to have everything. Wow. So yeah, we're uh, we're cranking down. It's, You're getting uh, there. Yeah, and from I, I have every Teen Titans issue uh, from about I want to say early seventies, except for one. And uh, that is uh, one we'll discuss next week, New Teen Titans number two. Ooh, uh, yes, fo- we've talked about Folks that. might know that that's uh, the first appearance of Deathstroke the Terminator, and uh, it's a book that, to this day, I have never read, because it's, I refuse to until I own it. It's one thing you're not going to see, or oh, it's rare to see in the wild. Uh, it's true, and but, when you do see it, it's, uh, it is pretty wildly priced. Yeah, they don't put uh, that in the box, usually. They put that up on the wall a lot of times. It's, uh, <laughs> they, they also generally put an issue I found this week on the wall. I found uh, the first appearance of the new Teen Titans in DC Comics Presents number 26. Uh-huh. That's uh, the first appearance of Starfire, Cyborg, and Raven. That's usually like a on the wall a eighty to one hundred dollar book. I found it in the box this week at a record store for really dollar ninety nine. Nice, excellent. Yep. So uh, that was one of my two new Teen Titans Holy Grails. Uh, just have that one, <laughs> that one yellow Deathstroke cover left. Everything intact. You might need to take some vacations around the country and look at other. Uh, <laughs> just dip just, into antique stores. I think and... I think it's a, it might be a regional thing sometimes. Uh, what was that presents? What twenty six? Who was in that? Green Lantern, Green Lantern. Superman Green Lantern team up um, and spattered all over the cover, which is they don't usually do this for the bonus books, but like they'll usually put like a little banner on the side for like, you know, introducing Amethyst in an issue of Legion right, or something. Right, right. But this Teen Titans one, there was a banner on the side saying, you know, check out the Titans. And then on the top of the book was all about 20, you know, 25 pages plus the new Titans and the, 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 the cast you've been asking for crazy that they were really pushing this bonus book, which is a freebie that they throw yeah. in. I, I and, think uh, getting George Perez over from Marvel and Marv Wolfman. Uh, sure. That probably lent a lot of, lot to the cachet, a lot of, the, of cachet uh, to it. Cause, cause bonus book. Yeah. my overall impression is that teen Titans volume one was not like a super popular book with anybody. Like you know what I mean? No. Like, people weren't, weren't really checking for it that crazily. Um, 
you know, because they were comparing it to the Justice League, but realized that the sales were not anywhere near the Justice League, which is why they kept canceling the damn thing. Yeah, but it really shouldn't have been compared to that. Uh, no, no, but also it could have been done probably a little bit better and a little. You know, if they, <laughs> if they were chasing that Marvel dollars, they could have done it in a less obvious and like, I don't know, just misguided way. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. You know, the Silver Age stuff I'm more familiar with. Uh, as we go into the Bronze Age, I've really only read a couple of issues. They did collect it in the Omnibus recently. Yes, they did. I'm waiting for it to go paperback. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like. The I book. was going to say that Omnibus is even even like on Amazon. That's a hundred bucks. That's a. It's just that's too a meaty. And chunk I mean, of cash. I mean, yeah. um, I always have the same complaints. It's a pain in the butt to read. I don't like to shelve it. I don't like anything about those. So yeah. Uh, hopefully they will go paperback, and then I'll become an expert on uh, Bronze Age Teen Titans as well. On the Bumblebees and the Duella Dents. But uh, next next time we talk about the Titans, we're going to talk about a, a series that is very well collected in many many formats for anyone to read. <laughs> Too many. Uh, so many. I can't even I can't even think of it all right now. But uh, yeah, next time we'll come back. We'll talk about New Teen Titans, which I think uh, is most people will be most familiar with, uh, yeah. probably uh, at least of a certain age, uh, and that will be where Chris is really gonna. Geek out, go nuts on that, I bet. You know what I mean? He's got... Lay it down. Also, you have a lot of personal stories with that that I think we'd like to hear. But um, hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, Thanks, everyone. If you want to write to us about your Teen Titans thoughts, memories, maybe times that you found a rare issue in the wild, of course, you know how to get to us at Weird Comics History at Gmail or hit us up on Twitter or on the patron site. Any way you do it, we're going to get the message eventually. Uh, the email probably is the well, who knows? Anyway, it's good. Whatever you like, whatever's good. Uh, yeah, because it's it's been it's been a weird schedule for me lately, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but thanks again, everybody, for all your support. March was an amazing month, uh, and April has already been a very positive month too. Uh, you guys are terrific, and uh, hope you. If you haven't gotten your enamel pin, by the way, uh, let me know. Uh, a lot of people have gotten them. I haven't gotten addresses from everybody. So if you're listening and you want a pin, give me a holler. I will send it to you right from the uh, post office here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, got any Teen Titans wrap-up, Chris? Uh, no. Uh, this is uh, The Titans we're talking about today is probably my least known. I, I've read it. Yeah. But, uh, I definitely have the least amount of affection for this time. Um, uh, not to say that I like other stuff more, like the the New 52 stuff, which we will eventually, unfortunately, get to. Yeah. But uh, I have more familiarity with it because I kind of lived it. Sure. Um, this stuff, I... It's different. It's like I visited this the first time in the Showcase Presents volumes, the black and white uh, phone books. Mm. And uh, if you read that alongside a Marvel Essential... The Marvel Essential still kind of stands the test, you right. know, um, it, where the, the, this Titans, it's just like, what am I reading? And if you read more than like three or four issues in a row, you're just done. It's, it's I mean, like, re- oh. reading Avengers of the same era, which is 
as convoluted as a comic can get. You know, don't, yeah. don't 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 let anyone kid you to make you think this was not a story they were making up as they went along. It totally For was. Sure. Yeah, no long term planning. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was you know things left and right. And who's a screw? Who's a crawl? Who's a whatever? <laughs> everything. Uh, a scroll and Cree and nonsense like this. But uh, it's just it stands the test of time. You can still read it. Yeah. And understanding in context, this is happening in the '60s. Obviously, you can't like sure. ask where's the cell phones or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Teen Titans is definitely an anachronistic kind of. Uh, it's Honestly, more. It's yeah. more of. A, I, I don't. The word isn't guilty pleasure because I have no guilt over it. But it's the same joy of re, of watching that Bill Dozier Batman. It's silliness. Yeah. Uh, it's silly. Yeah. You know what I mean. And it's like it's silly. It's silly for its time. And uh, I. It's it's crazy. I really. <laughs> I, I could read stuff like this all the time. But uh, I, I definitely don't kid myself into thinking this is a good comic or the way that comics should be made. <laughs> I just laugh and laugh and laugh at the silly, silly things they say and do. And the, the issue that we're covering tomorrow, I'll reveal to our patient, patrons, is issue number 12, which is one of the stupidest issues in that run, I think. So, it's wild, yeah. Uh, it, just, it just makes no sense. Anything, anything that's happening is ridiculous. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it again. Please share your Teen Titans thoughts with us if you have any. We'd love to know what you think. This is a uh, real, uh, you know, something that we both enjoy a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it again. Probably not next time on Comics Talk, but over the overtime. They'll be filling in, yeah. Yeah, we'll be we'll be popping in. Whenever we feel like we're getting too negative, we'll come in, we'll talk about <laughs> Teen Titans, and we'll cheer up, except toward, later on when we'll use it for negativity. But anyway. We, yeah. Yes, when things are going too good, we'll think we'll, we'll have, we have We have volumes of Teen Titans <laughs> for that, too. <laughs> but anyway, Chris, I think that we're going to wrap up now. So thanks to everybody, and uh, we will talk to you again later this month. Yep, thanks, and see ya. <laughs> Here come the Teen Titans, a quartet of towering talents. Kid Flash, whose speed defies the eye to follow. Wonder Girl, swift and powerful super lass. Speedy, whose fantastic arrows perform awesome feats. Aqualad, bold and daring marine marvel. Fabulous foursome for right against might, the Teen Titans.